My name is Monty Hyden. I'm a proud member of NSH, a committee chair, a regular attendee at the NSH annual convention, and above all, a histo lover. I would like to welcome you to this episode of the 2018 NSH Poster Podcast Series. For the last two years, NSH has brought the science of the convention to your device through this popular podcast. We hope you learn, share, and above all, enjoy. This is Linda McDonald, and I'm sitting with Toysha Meyer, and we're going to be talking about her poster on hematoxylin and eosin regressive staining procedures, and this is a comparative study. So why was this a topic that you chose? What was important about it, and why was it worthy of your time as a researcher? Well, we chose this topic because in the HTL program, the three faculty that we have all have different levels of experience. My program director was used to filtering hematoxylin daily. Oh, wow. And um, my other colleague and I were not. Um, he was used to a, a previous method where you had to do those kinds of things, and it was it's confusing to students to teach it. So we decided we were going to compare Bancroft, Carson, and then the Richard Allen pro, uh, protocol that comes with their reagents to see which one is the best so that they would understand how they needed to choose reagents for their upcoming labs. Okay, so what were some basics of the three guidelines that you just mentioned? So they were all regressive. They okay. all used the Richard Allen um, reagents. So they used the, the 7211 and 7212 hematoxylin. Okay. They used the clarifier uh, decolorizer. They use the bluing solution, their Scott's tap water, and then we use their ESNY. Okay. Um, it was run on um, uh, the Lyca XL stainer. We okay. did okay. Um, 3,600 slides, and each group of students, which was groups of five, each each group of students did two uh, protocols. So one would have done. Bancroft and Carson, then another one may have done Bancroft and Richard Allen, like that. And they got, they did, they did it for two weeks. And we're only in the student lab three days a week. So for them to do the 3,600 slides, they did really well. Yep, that's good. That's good. Um, so what was the first thing that you wanted people to notice about your poster when they come by and look at it? How different it is going from theory to practice. And when you are talking about doing different protocols, you have to be able to s explain what the theory is behind doing that protocol. Otherwise, your audience is not going to understand it. You're exactly right about that. It just becomes a rote motion, five dips, two dips, ten dips, a minute here, a minute right. there, and, they and just, people they, have no clue. They don't understand right. it. Right. And when and, it comes back to troubleshooting, then they're like, what do I do now? Right. And then what's done in the clinics and in your clinical labs is so different from what you teach as far as the theory, what's in those texts. So it's very confusing to the student. If we can't break it down like that, it's very confusing for them. Yeah, being an instructor, I instructed the Lakeland program okay. in a, in outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And it is, they, a lot of times when they get to their clinicals, they're like, well, we didn't do half the stuff we did in the lab, but you still have to know what you're doing right. to be able to succeed. Right. 
Uh, let's see. Were there any surprises when you were doing your research? Was there anything you didn't expect? Yes, Bancroft has 10-minute washes. Oh, my word. Sorry. <laughs> yes. And the students discovered that that just delayed their stain. If you were in a clinical environment, that just was not feasible. Um, we dis The students discovered also that the... Um, way we originally had our stainer hooked up was incorrect. It was oh. hooked up to our DI water instead of tap. And it gave us streaking because okay. the tank wouldn't be full. So we switched over to the tap and it changed a lot of that. They actually ended up liking the Carson version better because they could understand it. Mm -hmm. they, Richard Allen is what they see when they go into their clinicals but they understood the Carson version better. Do they all do their clinicals at the same location? No. No, okay. No. But we, all the locations do use the Richard Allen? 80%. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Someone walks away from your poster, what are three to five words that they should think about? Hmm, that's interesting to ask. <laughs> three to five words. Um, let's see. I don't want to say simple, meaning that it's not, well, yes, simple, because it's not complex, um, important, and baseline, because without, without understanding how the H&E is supposed to work, you can't understand anything else about what you're supposed to be doing in the lab. Right. And it's really important for the students to get that theory, like you yes. were saying earlier. Without that theory... You just put somebody in front of something, and they do it, but don't know why they're doing it, and when it breaks, they don't know how to fix right, it. Right, right. Um, so if you had to do a follow-up project, what do you think that project would be? Oh, gosh. A More H&E, something on specials? Actually, what we're going to do, because um, our school has 10 different um, professional-type programs, so we're going to do a collaboration between, we're going to get... Um, some fresh thyroid and we're going to do a comparison or a collaboration with us and our molecular genetics undergrad and graduate level programs. Oh cool well that'll make an excellent poster too because there's so much going on in the world of molecular right now and you know again that's another thing where you have individuals who may not know histotechnology in the background and don't relate the proper fixation the proper process right and i think that'd make a great poster so we'll look for that in the future okay. um let's see what are two to three major tips you'd share with someone that's considering submitting a poster for next year's convention uh to be thorough but to be flexible um, just because your your plan is to do it one way, be flexible in realizing it may end up taking you in another direction. Okay, that's great. And one of the other things, too, is when the posters get judged, make sure you always put those references on. Yes, we had references in ours. Uh, we made sure. Actually, what we did is at our facility, we can send it to a particular department to do a double-check editing. Wow, so that's they, awesome. they helped us with that. They made sure that we had it. And then trying to fit it into the guidelines for the poster, we had to end up taking quite a bit of our original information mm -hmm. out. So we're going to take that information and put it back in 
to do something else with it. All right, that's excellent. Well, we'd like to thank you so much for presenting a poster. Thank the posters you. are a great part of the convention, and people really enjoy them. So if you're thinking about something down the road, you have a great project, consider doing a poster. Um, so, Toisha, thank you again, and really appreciate sitting here talking with you this afternoon. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of NSH's Poster Podcast Series. For more great episodes, check us out on the blog, Podbean, or iTunes. Keyword, Histo Talks.